The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe, live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. While we have breath, we shall remember and affirm the great goodness in the great hymn of Charles Wesley, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, and truth and love, let all men see, in those who up to thee we give, thine, holy thine, to die and live. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Grateful as we are for this moment, this hour, this space. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is at the heart of being and at the heart of being alive. And on the trail of mercy, we find the trail of life, stalking the experience of pardon and being pardoned. We have an experience of truly being alive. There we find our way to a great meadow, an open meadow, a great open meadow, where to err is human, to forgive divine. May we gather up our collective and individual prayers of confession during the singing of the Kyrie. hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. 
And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them for those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of the Lord.
lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with great honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are one body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 19 with the Antiphon. Heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day, and night to night, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. And their voice goes out from all the earth, and their words to the end of the In the heavens, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its triumph is from the end of the heavens, and its surface to the end of and nothing is hid from its heat.
Now please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 4 verses 14 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
seated. Nehemiah kindles our thought. Jesus addresses us by his word. Paul weaves us together as one body in our deeds. Thought, word, deed, bring renewal. We teach our preaching students here that there is still room in life for a sermon with a simple three-part design known to Aristotle and Shakespeare. This sermon is one such example. And we together may be ready for an intervening word of renewal. All about us, the ground seems to be shifting. Tectonic plates, political counts, late-night hosts, personal doubts, In all, the ground seems to be shifting. We may be more ready for renewal than we were before. You may be poised for some kind of renewal in your personal life, family life, communal life, work life, spiritual life. Those ancient Israelites to whom Nehemiah and Ezra spoke also knew about the need for renewal. Our reading from Nehemiah is remembered best for the crowning sentence, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Such a joy comes, however, out of a long series of difficult decades. In the sixth century before the Common Era, from 587 BCE to 538 BCE, the children of Israel who survived the destruction of Jerusalem were marched in chains to Babylon where they served as vassals under the thumb of Nebuchadnezzar. And when at last they were freed by Cyrus of Persia and returned home from the exile, long years and decades of rebuilding faced them. And by the mid-fifth century, their temple had been rebuilt by Ezra and their city had been rebuilt by Nehemiah. The renewal of religion and the renewal of culture happened together. Now there is a lesson for us here. Healthy religious revival requires a renaissance in culture. What we await today is not so much a theological reformation as it is a cultural renewal Nehemiah rebuilt his city in tandem with the religious renewal brought by Ezra. And thought itself offers renewal to those who will thoughtfully seek it. Notice that Nehemiah and Ezra describe their completed renewal in terms of interpretation. The religious community is to be one of constant interpretation. Torah and interpretation. Scripture read and interpreted so that its sense was clear. The challenge, the frightful difficulty of rightly handling a good word is to stand at the center of religious revival and cultural renewal. Daniel Marsh built this chapel here with its cloistered arms reaching east and west, reaching for embrace of secular and spiritual thought. So one arm wrapped around a college of liberal arts and the other arm wrapped around a school of theology and in between a chapel to unite the two so long disjoined. Thought brings 
renewal. Reflection on a given tradition is the very work of interpretation. And those religious bodies that will honor their tradition by the hard work of careful interpretation will find renewal, vibrant renewal. Liturgical tradition and traditional liturgy bring renewal. There is a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Yaroslav Pelikan famously quipped that traditionalism is the dead faith of living people. Tradition is the living faith of dead people. Not traditionalism, but tradition. Thoughtful reflection on what is given, expressed in liturgy, prayer, music, preaching, will bring religious, cultural, even denominational renewal. Tradition and worship, renewal. The new year is a good time for you to find renewal in thought. An alumnus recently wrote to remember President Case, the fifth president of Boston University. In his first year here in the early 1950s, Case was invited as a Methodist minister to give his advice about preparation for preaching. The alumnus recalls, President Case shared his method with us, which I adopted through all my years in ministry, to wit, each year, pick a subject you don't know anything about. Then ask a specialist in that field to suggest 12 books. Read one a month, and this way you will enrich your preaching beyond your own area of expertise and gain illustrations that will help you communicate the gospel better. This last week, a friend invited me to visit with him the Athenaeum, a fine Boston institution. We saw a chest of books given by William and Mary in 1690, books for the edification of the clergy at King's Chapel. Around that chest since have grown up five stories of a building of books and rooms and spaces and people devoted to the renewal of the mind, interpretation of tradition in the heart of the city. The letter to the Romans puts it this way, be ye not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your minds. Thought brings renewal to culture, religion, denomination, ministry, life. Do you seek renewal? Look first toward thought, thoughtful interpretation. Thought prepares the way for the word Today we are met by Jesus for once in the pulpit. He has chosen his text from Isaiah 61. He has read and has spoken and interprets the sense of the word. Jesus reads and then interprets in this stylized memory from Luke 4. He meets us in the very garb of interpretation. Interpretation is a very delicate art. Communication is a delicate art, and interpretation is communication squared, a very delicate art. The vote tally is communication. Interpretation begins when the question is raised about what the tally meant. The announcement of the new evening programming is communication. 
Interpretation begins when the question is raised about what the change says or portends about, say, generational communication. The body count is communication. Interpretation begins when the question is raised about what we are to make of horrendous loss. Jesus reads from the beauty of later Isaiah. Then he interprets the meaning. Meaning? Now, in the hearing, the reading is fulfilled. Such a powerful affirmation of speaking and hearing. No other gospel records this reading from Isaiah, nor the remarkable interpretation which follows. Mark does not record it in his writing from 70 CE, nor Matthew from 85 CE, nor John from 100 CE. Only Luke includes Isaiah 61. Only Luke has Jesus stand in the synagogue pulpit. Only Luke devises the account of the scroll and its attendant. Only Luke announces fulfillment in a dramatic conclusion. That is communication. Interpretation begins when we ask, why? By so doing, Luke announces Jesus as bearer of the word. Truth, renewing truth, spoken and heard. There is a word, a passage, and its meaning. Luke has expanded and redesigned an account of Jesus' hometown preaching, also recorded in Matthew 13 and Mark 6. You will find those two passages largely unlike what we heard just a moment ago. Luke places Jesus as apocalyptic preacher, announcing the advent of the kingdom right in the beginning of the gospel. Moreover, this preachment is about the jubilee year, a prophetic hope that once in a lifetime, the year of the Lord's favor, once every 50 years, all debts would be forgiven, all indentured servants freed, and all land returned to its ancient owners. Sharon Ringy, my former teaching assistant, wrote, once in a lifetime, the entire economy would receive a fresh start. We have no historical evidence that the Jubilee ever occurred, but we have spoken and heard Isaiah 61 to show the presence in Scripture of such a radical hope of renewal. Edward Skillbeeks, a Roman Catholic Vatican II's theologian from Holland, died last week His 90 years were spent in interpretation. He was criticized for focusing the meaning of resurrection on what it means in people's lives. He came from that school of thought that emphasized the preaching of the gospel as the experience itself of resurrection. Hearing in faith of the resurrection and believing in obedient living is the resurrection of the faith of Jesus Christ. Well, he and his form of theological interpretation are not currently the norm in our sister church, if ever they were. But his insight lives on, raised, if you will, from the dead. Truth happens 
said William James. Truth is spoken and heard. And when in the course of human events, when in the ordinary run of your very earthly, few earthly days, one hears and heeds a renewing truth, come Sunday, a good word, come weekday, there, then, there is resurrection. Such a moment is not less than Easter morning, it is not a substitute for Easter morning, it is not apart from Easter morning, but it is saving truth, grounded and rooted in the cross of Christ, heard and lived. Here at Marsh Chapel, we receive prayers, anonymous prayer requests here in the narthex of the chapel, and we try faithfully to lift them. They are very moving to read and an honor to render, but every so often one will especially pierce the heart. These six words, a very brief prayer, I put in the prayer hall of fame because they are a longing for resurrection life. Faith in God and faith in myself. A religious community that will honor, as Jesus is remembered here to have honored, the word will live. A traveling elder in the tradition of our second hymn is sent to preach She is sent to preach the gospel of resurrection, renewal by word. We have many pulpits across this country. We have also an older pattern which we may want to dust off of sending traveling preachers pulpit to pulpit. You know, by the fourth time you preach a sermon, it can be pretty well burnished. It can can come right through. At least you know what you're going to say by the fourth time. We are better off with one good sermon preached four times than with four not so good once each. Traditional liturgy is renewal in thought. Traveling elders are renewal in word. Beginning next week, the Marsh Chapel sermon will appear as a link every Monday morning on the front page of the Boston University website. There is a lesson here for us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by a good word. Numbers 11, would that all God's people were preachers and prophets. Better yet, as we just did sing, oh, for a thousand tongues. Word brings renewal to culture, religion, denomination, ministry, and life. Paul points to bodily renewal indeed. He becomes himself entwined in 1 Corinthians in the very metaphor he brings to us, that of the body of Christ. You can just feel him becoming ever more taken in by the body image as he writes to admonish his feisty Corinthians. If a community ever needed renewal, it was the church in Corinth. Sometimes I take newcomers to the Bible for a little walking tour of Corinthians. This letter reveals so much of the real humanity of the primitive church. Your deeds matter. They matter so much, writes Paul, because they are all a part of the same body. 
We are one with another, hand and foot, ear and eye, each with gifts, each with needs. Paul tells his Corinthian converts not that the church is like a body, but that the church is a body, the very body of Christ. And Christ is risen in bodily resurrection in the spirit, in the spirited body of the church. So when one hurts, all hurt. When one grieves, all grieve. The joys of one are enjoyed by all. The mark of disciplined living in our time most needed by our churches is robust tithing. In a materialistic age, nothing testifies better to the invisible than generosity with abandon. People notice. Likewise, when the churches appear to act irresponsibly with money, people also notice. In an age of entitlement, nothing witnesses better to graceful love than intentional self-abandon in regular, not just occasional, giving. Steady investment and fellowship is a great joy to the giver. In an age of consumption, nothing bears stronger witness to another way than another way of relating to wealth. It is a humbling experience to watch people who are only partly employed nonetheless continue at a reduced level the disciplined practice of giving. It is a harder experience to watch people who are really comfortable somehow miss the joy of giving, the discipline of tithing. The main benefactor of giving is the donor, for the donor knows the joy of the Lord is strength. Among the tens of thousands who died in Port-au-Prince was Sam Dixon, the head of Methodist Mission Work through UMCOR. He was trapped with five others for 55 hours in the rubble. Four survived, two died. When one hurts, all hurt. Together we affirm and applaud all who are working to make the efforts at Haitian relief swift, strong, and coordinated. For renewal comes by deed. Sometimes you have to reverse the order. You have to do first, speak second, and think third. They all bring renewal. But the heart finally will hold what the hand has done. We learn by doing. Here we may find a hint of the way forward for our inherited churches and denominations. Traditional liturgy is renewal in thought. Traveling elders are renewal in word. Tithing is renewal in deed. Deed brings renewal to culture, religion, denomination, ministry, and life. So with you, I celebrate those who have discovered the joy of the Lord this week in giving for the succor of those in Haiti. I celebrate those who gave last Sunday in a special offering here at Marsh Chapel. I celebrate the team traveling from Met College, Boston University, right now to Haiti. I celebrate the Dean of Students Office and the Haiti student group that has raised money and awareness for many. 
I celebrate Paul Farmer, our neighbor and Haitian missioner. I celebrate the BU Medical School and Project Hope more broadly. I celebrate those in our community and in every community who have seen renewal through deeds of generosity. Nehemiah kindles our thought. Jesus addresses us by his word. Paul weaves us together as one body in our deeds. Thought, word, deed, bring, renewal. So then, beloved, let us attend to the way we think. Let us attend to the way we speak. Let us attend to the way we act. By grace, it then may be said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Renewal, thought, word, deed. Amen. Dear friends, we gather our hearts together in a spirit of renewal as we come to our time of prayer. I would invite you to stand, kneel, remain seated as you are, or come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we sing our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let us pray to the Lord. I will conclude each petition. Let us pray to the Lord. Please respond. Lord, have mercy. That the people of God in all the world may worship in spirit and in truth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the church may discover again that unity which is your gift, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy that the nations of the earth may seek after the ways that make for peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the whole creation, groaning in travail, may be set free to enjoy the glorious liberty of the children of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That all who with Christ have entered the shadow of death 
may rest in peace and rise in glory. We pray especially for the people of Haiti, for those still trapped, and those who have died. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let us commend the world to which Christ showed the way to the mercy and protection of God. Almighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Grant that your people may shine with the radiance of his glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. It is good to have you with us this morning. We would encourage uh, those, especially those who are new, but everyone uh, who's with us this week to fill out the red pads at the end of each pew and pass it along to your neighbors and put down your name and contact information so that we can be in touch with you and help you get to know each other better throughout the week. We would point to the chapel website for uh, upcoming activities, especially a discernment group that will be beginning next Sunday, and also our second annual Valentine's celebration on Saturday, February 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the School of Law. Again, more information in your bulletin or on the chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, where there's also the opportunity for online giving. And a special announcement from our music director, Dr. Scott Jarrett. Good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to greet you. Uh, and to welcome you to Marsh Chapel and to alert you of a very a special, uh, very special event happening this weekend here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. For some time, uh, members of our community, led by Aram Demergen, who is uh, the manager of the Collegium and member of the base section, have been gathering and pooling resources and talent to put on a production of Mozart's Marriage of Figaro that will occur this Saturday here at Marsh Chapel at 7:30 under the name New England Concert Opera Players. Uh, Aram has drawn resources from our own community here at Marsh Chapel, including six members of the chapel choir leading uh, the, the production and solo roles, and then, of course, members of uh, players from our community here at BU, New England Conservatory, 
Harvard, uh, and other. Uh, as the dean said in the sermon, when one hurts, all hurt. And they have recognized the need to give talent, time, and uh, uh, finance to support the Haiti Relief Project. They are going to charge $5 admission available at the door, and the proceeds will be donated to Symphonic Relief for Haiti, which is an operation of the Partners in Health uh, Fund. We encourage you to attend. It's this Saturday, January 30, at 7.30. Be a part of a wonderful evening together, also in support of something extremely important for our community and across the globe. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, we give you thanks for these deeds of faithfulness. May you use them to the continuation of renewal of thought, word, and deed in this chapel and in the world. In the name of Christ, amen. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. <laughs> 